Hello and welcome to episode 36 of the Reds Unrestricted Podcast. The date is Wednesday the 29th of September 2021. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. My name's Dan Club. I'm going to be your host this week. Uh, we're going to look back on a resounding victory over Porto um, and everything that came out of that, the fallout from it as well as looking ahead to Manchester City coming to Anfield in what in previous seasons has been sort of, not a Premier League title decider, but certainly two of the main contenders, and it probably looks like it's going to be this year as well. Um, this week, we're joined by uh, my co-host as ever, Dave Comerford, and Bubbles from the Gold Diggers podcast, as well as the Anfield Wrap. Um, we're going to start off with the usual section of Who Am I? So... Both of you jump in uh, whenever you feel necessary. Uh, I'm going to give you clues to a Liverpool player, um, past or present. Um, and whenever you know who it is, just feel free to butt in and tell me who it is. So, this player was born on April the 1st in the year 2000. He was born in London. His other clubs include Chelsea, Swansea City and Sheffield United. Graham Brewster. Graham Brewster. <sighs> so easy oh. this week. Nice so and swift, nice and swift. Yeah, time. it was, it was. Well, Dad, do you know what? Do you know why I know that one as well? Because he's actually born in the same hospital as me. Oh, really? Fact. Yeah. yeah so. <laughs> I'd love to say I knew that and that's why I chose him, but I'd be lying. The <laughs> um, so yeah, fair play, well done. Um, right, well, on from that, um, we'll get some three-word match reviews um, to start with um, from that 5-1 victory last night in Porto. It was... Like I said, pretty resounding, pretty emphatic. Um, Bubbles, I'll come to you first. Three-word match review and just what did you make of the match? So, yeah, I was stuck between two, but I went with goalie was rubbish. <laughs> just because I think ultimately their, their goalie was pretty poor and I think it was the perfect example of how, like, sort of the cruelty of that position and how they can single-handedly lose your game. And, like, even when they got it back to 3-1, sort of after the last weekend and after Brentford, you know, if someone had told you there was going to be two more goals in that game, you know, I don't know how many people might have doubted the three points. So, yeah, like, he he definitely turned it. But I hope that doesn't take away, like, too much from, like, just how good mm. that little performance was as well because, you know, I think that performance could probably slot into our 17-18 Champions League campaign or 18-19, even parts of 19-20, and it wouldn't yeah. look out of place. So, yeah, that was, yeah, it was brilliant. It was sort of peak Liverpool is peak what I think this squad can do this season you know mm. it was goal scoring midfield dominating defensively sound football bar their goal obviously so uh, yeah. yeah it sets it up for for two tough ties against Atletico now but uh, the, the best thing we could have done was take six from six points so and we've done that yeah I completely agree and you're right to mention sort of harking back to previous campaigns because I don't know whether it's the fact we've been Porto and we're battering them which is something we've done previously but there was definitely yeah. um a shift in mentality, the press, and I thought is something that we've kind of shied away from a bit more recently, but that was back to early Klopp days. Um, and it was, like I say, it was a brilliant performance. Um, Dave, your three-word match review and anything you'd like to add on the performance? Well, I've gone with a very similar theme. Um, I'm quite happy with mine this week. I've gone with the turbocharged Adrian um, because <laughs> that goalkeeper was not very good, honestly. Um no. It was a rough performance for him. Um, I think he was, I think I'm right in saying he's their second choice, which makes the Adrian comparison a little, maybe a little bit more valid. Yeah. I think the 
the guy marches in on the bench um, with his first choice, but maybe back from an injury. And also Klopp said in his, his interview after the game that their centre-back partnership was um, a bit makeshift as well. So um, he has sympathy for that, obviously, after last season. Um, but yeah, I mean, as as Bubbles was saying, like we shouldn't take away from the performance based on that. Um, I think another really good line from that Klopp interview was he didn't want to change the team too much because he mm. wanted them to kind of put right the Brentford game on the pitch. Yeah. Um, which I, I kind of I kind of like. I think we were all a bit surprised when we saw that there was only I think, one change from, yeah. from the weekend. And you know, generally it was probably I don't know if, if you two felt like this as well, but it was like the least stressful game of the season. I just had the feeling <laughs> throughout that we were in complete control of it. And even when that mm. when that goal went anything, obviously you're a bit nervous after what happened after Brentford, but I don't yeah. think based on what we'd seen from Bors up to this point, we we kind of thought they had to come back in them. Um and yeah, just a few kind of performances to mention that we won't get into. Obviously, we'll look at some in a bit more detail, but yeah, I thought Milner um had a very good game. Fabinho too. Um, another specialist performance from him and um, Matip as well. Good recovery from him in particular from yeah. one of his uh weakest Liverpool games against Brentford. So yeah, really uh serene nice, all things considered. Yeah, it was. And I think you're right to mention Porto. It's something I spoke about previously. They dominate a hell of a lot of games in their league at home because they're better than most of the teams. And I always felt like, and it looks like it's been a trend really when we've gone there, is they try and play relatively open football and that suits us down to the ground. Like they were wide open at times last night. But you're both dead right to mention the goalie giving us a, a helping hand on more than one occasion. Um, I went with Liverpool second home, um, just <laughs> sort of referencing the fact that I think our aggregate score there now is... 14-2 to the good to us over the last three times. So we seem to like playing um, out there. So that was mine. But yeah, you both, you're dead right to mention uh, James Milner as well. I think he's someone worthy of note, uh, especially at right back, um, filling in for Trent, which is something we're going to touch upon a little bit later. But one person we do want to talk about in a bit more detail um, from last night and from Brentford in many ways as well is Curtis Jones, because... I thought it was outstanding last night. Um, having made a quiet start to the season for reasons we'll probably discuss in a minute. So, Bubbles, I'll come to you. How excited should we be about Curtis Jones still? Um, yeah, what do we I... expect from him for the season? And also, what did you make of him last night? Yeah, I think he's a little a little gem, I would say. I, I think it was, yeah, you have to laugh at the people who were kind of writing him off based on nothing. On I know it's just people on Twitter, but but yeah. still, you know, he was getting the treatment of like a, a 26 or 28-year-old in the squad and he was only a 19, 20-year-old playing in midfield. So he'll, he'll still make more mistakes, I don't doubt, like in the next few years, but mm -hmm. there's clearly something there. He's a technically gifted player and you saw that last night. I, I guess... It's a bit of a generalisation, but I guess when you're playing against sort of Portuguese and Spanish opponents, you expect them to give a bit more time on the ball to, to the midfielders. And mm. just because, yeah, the press intensity is nowhere near what it is in the Premier League. So yeah. I'm glad he he took that opportunity and he shined and he really dictated that game. And I think, he, did he force like four of the five goals or he was essentially involved in, I think, all yeah, five? So. I think four is probably fair. Yeah, he assisted two directly, didn't he? But I'd say four he had a serious involvement in, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I, I'm glad he uh, did that. And even his counter-pressing, uh, I guess I think someone picked it out against Brentford as well. Like 
obviously we were defensively open in Brentford for other reasons, but he's doing the pressing well as well. And let's not forget, he's he's probably third choice of that left centre midfield behind Thiago and Keita. And this is this is him and he's getting his opportunity. And you know, let's hope uh, it's it's the start of something because I reckon. Yeah, what well, he we'll need him more this season with Thiago and Kater's like you know injury records. But mm. if he's able to do this every time he's asked to, then yeah, we shouldn't be too too bad. Hopefully, no, definitely nothing to worry about if he can perform like that. Um, David, somebody we've spoke about previously a few times, um, in glowing terms, really, especially last season when he did have a a prominent role. Whether that was in force or injury or not is a different story. But what do you make of him? what he's done in the past week with the Norwich, Brentford and now Porto match. Um, and also, do you think Bubbles mentions like some criticism? I think that was based on the fact Harvey Elliott was so good at the start of the season. That might be wrong, but we kind of all forgot about Jones. Do you think that's, think that's fair? I think it is fair. Um, you know, there was a narrative yesterday that he was silencing critics. And I guess it's, it's partly fair. I mean, you look at Twitter, don't you? And you're not sure how representative it is of the wider fan base. Um, because you know, pretty much every player is gonna have, maybe with the exception of, of Van Dyke, is gonna have a legion of, of critics within the Liverpool fan base, you know, somewhere on Twitter. But um I think the, the Elliot thing is interesting because you know, maybe people haven't realized how special he is just because they're comparing him to Elliot and to Trent, who I think are the you know, the kind of generational talents he used that phase who who might have, you know, emerged from well Elliot obviously wasn't our young player, but we bought him when he was about sixteen, mm. didn't we? So um so there's that. So I think, you know, that comparison, if you, you know, look at it through that lens, then maybe you aren't gonna rate him as much as you should. But I also think another factor is that, you know, he's established himself in the first team only last season and that was basically when everything was falling apart, wasn't it? Um, yeah. So it was kind of really hard to to appreciate it, really. Um, you know, to be breaking through in those circumstances, it's um, it's hardly ideal, is it? So I think I think that's a, an element too, and maybe this season has, you know, his stock will will grow quite a lot among our fans. But yeah, I mean, yesterday, just a complete performance, uh, to be honest, uh, or close to it at least. And you know he's still only still only twenty as well. I think uh, now that 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 uh, cup cup derby when he scored the winner was quite a long time ago. It's probably you know difficult to to appreciate how how young he still is. Um, and I think you know the season as a whole. Bubbles rightly mentions the the injuries that will you know play a part in the amount of minutes he has. But I'd like to think that you know he'll be part of the rotation as well. Um, because I think he's earned that. I think he certainly deserves to be above someone like Oxlade Chamberlain in the pecking order. I, you know, I look at it and this season, you know, you can look at maybe goals and assists targets um, for them. You know, I'd hope we're looking at something like five and 10 potentially, but I think more important than that. Um, and it's it's something that got pointed out in an athletic piece recently. I think it's just consistency because um, he's yeah. added the defensive side to his game, obviously counter-pressing, as Bubbles mentioned, um, is quite important. And I think now that he's added that to his game and matured as a footballer, it, it needs to just be about delivering seven, eight out of ten performances more regularly and maybe not having those kind of slightly anonymous games. Not terrible performances, but slightly 
games where he doesn't really make the impact um, that he perhaps should. So that's kind of what I'm looking at sort of in, in the short term for him. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think, like I say, somebody you spoke about previously on the show quite a bit. Um, for me, last night, it was when he won the ball, ball back on the halfway line and obviously set us on the mm-hmm. attack and then slid Salah in for the second. That was sort of the moment where that's exactly what Klopp would want from that role, someone winning the ball back. Because Curtis Jones previously, coming for the youth rank, like we spoke about before, was this flair player with this ability to make an impact, which he still has. We've seen that last night. But he had to add certain different departments to his game, and it looks like he's doing that. So definitely a player for me to be part of the rotation in the midfield. In terms of setting targets, it is difficult, simply because I don't envisage he plays week in, week out. And that's no slight on him. That's just, like you mentioned, Cater, even Oxlade-Chamberlain, Thiago, hopefully Harvey Elliott when he's back fit before the end of the season. Those those four are going to be rotated quite heavily. So, But there's definitely a job for Curtis Jones. Um, definitely. We've got a long season ahead. Plenty of Champions League. Hopefully plenty of cup games as well. So he's done himself no harm whatsoever. And also, when we come on to City later, there's a conversation to be had there. But for now... Mm-hmm. We'll move on to the team selection from last night, like Dave mentioned, and it was a little bit of a surprise. I was surprised how strong it was. I know Klopp's give his reasons for that. One of the biggest surprises for me was Simicas not getting a game ahead of Robertson. Now, Robertson was outstanding on the night. Let's have it right. He was, you know, amongst the best performers in a very good performance. But he wasn't great against Brentford. And I think we all kind of expected him to get a rest last night. So, Dave, I'll come, I'll come straight back to you. Obviously, on him getting picked last night is the main point. And do you think there was a case for resting him? But also, what did you make of his performance last night and throughout the season so far? Definitely think there was a case for resting him. Like, especially with the City game coming up. I mean, even if he, he'd played well against Brentford, I think we would have expected him to be coming out the team uh, last night. You know, he's, he's had a fair bit of stick um, coming off the back of that game. And, uh, you know, I'm not entirely sure it's fair. You know, I, I watched the game back. You know, I took the brave step of putting myself through it again. Um, and I was kind of focusing quite a lot on him because he seemed to be the one, you know, a lot of people on Twitter were, were questioning really. So I was like, you know, is that fair? And I think defensively, he wasn't great, I'll be honest, like, I think particularly the second goal probably needs to do more to stop the cross um, coming into the box. Um, but, you know, going forward, um, I think he had a, a pretty decent game, to be honest. You know, remember that run in the first half where he, he won the free kick about 20 yards out? It was an amazing run, really. Um, and he also put in a cross at the start of the second half that Henderson and Jossa very nearly um, managed to convert. So, you know, and you look at the, the opposite fullback in, in Trent, I think... Trent contributed very little, if anything at all, yeah, in, in that game. Yeah. But he didn't really get too much stick for his attack and performance. Um, I think generally uh, this season, we're going to see the left side of the team come under heavy scrutiny every time there's a setback. And in some cases, that's going to be fair enough. And in other cases, there's potentially going to be a little bit of scapegoating going on. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the, the feeling I have on it. I think. Clearly, Robertson's not been on top form so far, but I also think when he's had stronger games, he maybe hasn't got the praise he's deserved. So, like, the Leeds game recently, for example, didn't really see 
anyone talking about how how good he'd been there. You know, very solid against Rafinha, one of the best um, opponents he'll face, really. And you remember last season, Dan, we did we did our awards and we had him as as unsung hero. So maybe there's yes. yeah, yeah. something going on there about you know Robertson maybe not being fully fully appreciated. But yeah, I don't think um, he's struggling as much um, as some are making out. Um, obviously, he'll he'll want to do better and. You know, you can't expect more, but I also don't see his spot. I mean, it'd be interesting what you two think think about this, but I don't see his spot as being under immediate threat from from Simicast. I know there's probably some people who think that, you know, maybe Simicast should even be starting because he's had he's had a really good um, start to season mm. himself. But for me, that we're not kind of near that point yet. Um, I'd definitely be keeping faith with Robertson based on what I've seen so far. Yeah, it's an interesting point you make about the comparison with Trent and him not getting as much sort of criticism. I wonder whether that's based on Simicas's bright start to the season because Liverpool fans probably see a player there that could come in and feasibly do equally as good a job, um, although Robertson's been outstanding in the main for Liverpool. Whereas on the right side, although we praised Milner, it isn't the same effect as Trent has when he's on form and that could be a reason why one gets more criticism than the other. But I'll come to you, Bubbles, on the Robertson point. Um, just this season in general, really, and where how close do you think we are to Simicass sort of staking a claim to replace him? Yeah, see, I, I was also in the camp of I felt as though Simicass deserves to start last night, just because I feel like if you throw him in against City now and he messes up, he's going to become the easy target and just get dropped again. Um, mm. But if maybe if Robertson drops a three out of ten, he's less likely to be dropped. He won't lose his place anyway. But I think it's... Uh, do you know what? I, something for me is that just always plays in my mind when I'm judging Robertson is his set-piece delivery. And I guess he keeps being told to go back onto the corners. But they just seem to like never beat the first man. And it's so frustrating because Simakas' corners are very good. Like, mm. probably... I don't want to say as good as Trent, but they, they cause problems, they create chances. And mm. that is something that we need at the moment where our, our forwards are so sort of lacking that clinical edge that we just have to keep creating a ton of chances. And so with Trent not in the team, because of obviously yesterday, I yeah. wonder if, you know, Simicast maybe needs to come in just to have that set piece for it because Robertson isn't that. And like, I think um, Dave already mentioned, you know, like, he has had some like lapses defensively this season as well, which is just it's so un Robertson like. Like if you even notice, there's certain times where uh, he he's three yards behind the high line, especially during sort of defending a second phase, and mm. it, it catches you out every now and again. But I think I think Robertson is the type of character though that even if he did lose his place, like worst case scenario, you know we've heard for three years about his comeback kid story arc. So he mm. he he won't be someone who's sort of put off by that. He'll fight for it back. And you know if he if he did like if he did sort of a uh, you know go into his show after that, I think I'd be very disappointed in that. And I wouldn't expect it to be honest. Like I said, so the competition is only a good thing, and, and I firmly believe that. Yeah, that's a really two interesting points there. The set pieces in particular, because it's, it's an area at Liverpool of five early in the season, not in terms of Robertson's delivery necessarily, but from set pieces, um, more so Trent's, like you say. So it's an interesting point that Simicast is probably ahead of Robertson on that basis. And also, there was some talk i seen, I don't know if you guys seen it, in terms of Robertson being a little bit perturbed by Simicass's presence because he'd started the season so well, Simicass, especially when Robertson had his ankle problem. 
the Robertson's form had dipped based on being under that pressure. And it's interesting you mentioned the fact that you'd expect Robertson to almost go the other way and really mm. kick on. Um, I just want to get your thoughts on that, Dave, before we do move on to Man City. What what do you think of, of those points? You know, I saw those tweets as well. Um, honestly, I think it's a strange way of looking at it because, you know, we're kind of blessed to have that competition in that position now after quite a while without it and Robertson having to play a crazy amount of minutes last season. So I think we should genuinely look at it as a good thing. You know, if Robertson is feeling the pressure, then, you know, he's, it's up to him to channel that into his performances, not to, you know, be rattled by it in any way. Um, and it, it's a good thing because, you know, if he doesn't, if he doesn't deliver, if he doesn't react in the right way, then, you know, he's got a perfectly able replacement there. So, yeah, I thought it was a, a slightly strange angle and I think we should be more, you know, looking at it as a, a blessing, as I say, to have two really good left-backs at our disposal. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree. Um, like I say, it certainly is up to Robertson, um, but Bubbles is dead right in terms of he hasn't exactly made it to the top the easy way. So you'd imagine he'd have that mm. sort of inner fight in him and the mentality to say, okay, you know, he's Scotland captain as well. You know, he must be pretty sort of astute. He, he must think, okay, bit of pressure now. I need to kick on again. Um, which he, he was good last night, so it was hard to criticise him after that. But he probably hasn't quite kicked on as we'd like this season. But we will move on to Man City. Um, we want to get a good chat about this because obviously it's a huge game. Um, City's record at Anfield is pretty pitiful when there's supporters in there. Um, so we need to talk about the game more generally. But first, we're going to switch full-back positions to Trent's likely absence. Um, obviously a huge blow. We all know how good he is. Um, I'll come to you, Bubbles. How big a blow do you think that is? And I've got my own thoughts on this. Um, okay. Because I'll just quickly kind of allude to it. Because obviously it's a huge blow in the attacking sense. But with what we've seen from Milner, who I would expect to start there, do you think it's necessarily the worst thing that Trent's not going to be around for this? Yeah, this to be fair, this is exactly what I prepped in my notes. Uh, I I do think it's bad, but I actually said not so much defensively because, like, I think anybody who you put into that back five to play against Man City and the quality that they have in their front six is gonna struggle. So, like we just mentioned, Simicast, but like whether it's Milner, whether it's Gomez, or even if it's like Neko Williams, all of them are gonna have problems, and so. If Milner's body allows him to play, you know, such a taxing position for in such a taxing game for the second get time in, will it be five days by then? Then throw yeah. him in and let him do a job because he hopefully will be against Grealish rather than Sterling as well, who yeah. probably cuts in more likely. I mean, obviously Grealish's quality as well, but um, yeah, like I feel like it's you're going to get problems no matter what. Like even Trent would probably struggle. So yeah, like defensively, I don't think it's it's too much of a big thing but like I kind of mentioned with the Simicast point uh how important the right back role is offensively for us in terms of creating mm. chances and scoring goals that's where you know I'm worried because even Milner versus Palace I think he like ranked first for like you know touches on the pitch passing running all that stuff and that just shows how sort of influential that role is on our team performance and I think he got an assist yesterday against uh against Porto Milner gives yeah. him another sort of shout for that that role like again perfect cross into the box sort of trademark trend almost so so yeah let's let's that that's where I think the biggest uh you know hurt hurt will be what we've missing trend mm. uh 
but yeah. No, I agree. And I think it's an interesting one with Milner because obviously as a midfielder by trade, you'd expect his attacking input to almost surpass Trent's, but it doesn't because Trent's kind of mastered that right back yeah. role and he knows when to get forward, he knows when to deliver, and he's just a genius at it, if we're going to be honest. But I'll come to you, Dave, and I think Bubbles is absolutely spot on to mention the difference in facing Sterling and Grealish. And I would back Milner to deal with Grealish. But if it's Sterling, I'd have my reservations. So where do you stand, Dave, on this right-back debate? You know, the question you asked was actually one I was going to kind of, you know, throw to both of you in a way. I was, I was going to say, like, who would you actually feel more confident facing up against City's yeah. left-wingers? Because I think, you know, regardless of, of who plays, I think there's a potential that they're going to be in for a, a pretty rough afternoon. Even, you know, Sterling's obviously maybe. Um, slightly more dangerous when it comes to, you know, taking players on. But I think, you know, Grealish can be, uh, you know, such a nightmare to deal with, you know, drifting in off that flank. You know, so hard to dispossess um, at times. Yeah. But No, I was just going to say the only worry I'd have is Grealish sort of it attracts fouls like a magnet and Milner kind of gives them away for free. So yeah. that's yeah. the only thing. That, you know, that's a good point too. And especially given the vulnerability we've shown with, with balls into the box and having the brain playing for City as well, you know, that's going to be a factor. But yeah, I think, you know, Bubbles has pretty much has pretty much covered it on Trent. Like he's obviously the main kind of playmaker in the side. So it's a blow from that point of view. Um Milner can't really compete when it comes, you know, passing range and you know the variety of passes that he has. But I think he's he's done well at right back against Palace and, and last night. And I think encouragingly the the link up on the right hand side, you know, obviously we kind of have these triangles that that form. Um on either flank, I think has been pretty good as well. So, you know, obviously it's a it's a real blow to lose one of your most important players, you know, from a stylistic point of view. But hopefully, um, it's one we can cope with. Yeah, I think Milner. I was filled with a lot more confidence actually watching him last night because he dealt with probably their best player in Diaz um, pretty comfortably because he's. He's pretty non-compromising in terms of he's quite tough tackling and he, he deals with situations relatively well. He's certainly not afraid to. Um, and I think he'll deal with Grealish quite well on Sunday, to be honest. But if it was Sterling, there's a part of me that would rather see Joe Gomez at right back, which is something I never thought I'd say um, because I'm not a big fan of him out there. What, round two? Round two in their little box. Round two <laughs> for one. Yeah, that's one reason. To be fair, yeah, isn't it round three? Because he gave away the penalty in the... Behind yes, coach, true. And, oh, and yeah. if anything, it's round four because they had a set two on England duty as well. Didn't they? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. they really are going for it, but just on based on pace, really more than anything else. And that's not me doubting Milner's pace because he'd, he'd absolutely sprint me off the street, even though he's about ten years older. Um, but yeah, just because of that. But it's an interesting debate, um, and in many ways, it sounds so harsh to say on Alexander Arnold, who's an outstanding footballer, but. If we were playing like a lower team this weekend, even like a mid-table side, like, I don't know, Brighton or whoever, Brighton are flying at the minute, it's a poor example, Newcastle at home, I think I'd miss Trent more because we're going to dominate the ball with the need his attacking influence to break them down. But against City, when it's going to be a pretty even sort of contest and we're going to need that defensive solidity, his absence actually doesn't concern me as much as it probably should. Um, but yeah, we'll move on to sort of preferred 11s and how we think the game's going to go. Um, should segue nicely into this now. So I'll come to you 
first Dave on this one, actually. Um, yeah, just your sort of general view ahead of the match, um, and obviously your preferred starting lineup. Yeah, so quickly on City, first of all, um, obviously didn't see it last night, only been able to watch the highlights. By the looks of it, they seem to have you know the better chances in the game and will probably be. I, I don't think. You know, I don't think they'll be too gutted about about the results in the context of the group and on the back of the performance. I think they just, you know, didn't take their chances and they'll probably find some reason for encouragement. Against Chelsea, they were very impressive. Um, you know, maybe a little bit fortunate with the goal, but equally, if you're gonna if Chelsea are just gonna sit back and invite them on, they, they take that chance and they restricted Chelsea, I think, to you know, three shots, maybe none on target in the game as well. So um, certainly a, a performance that'll be in this kind of um, top four mini league over the season. I think that'll be a performance that's kind of hard hard to beat. So um, yeah. that that wasn't particularly good for the pre-match now as in that one. But yeah, um, team-wise, I've gone with obviously Alisson and goal, Milner, Matip, Van Dijk, Robertson, um, Fabinho, Henderson, and then the first kind of major question mark for me is Jones or Kayser. I'd go with Jones because yeah. um, I, I think he's earned it. Um, obviously, good against Brentford and Norwich as well. Mm-hmm. But equally, it's not like a sentimental thing of oh, you can't drop him after that. I think genuinely, he's shown he's got you know the skill set, you know, defensive contribution, press resistance. You know, he'll run at defenders. He's good enough to start the game. Put it that way. He started against them last season, obviously, in a very different looking Liverpool team. But I wouldn't have any any qualms if he did pick Keita. And then the other one is uh, who plays along with Salah Romani, I think. Um, although maybe you could even do Salah Firmino Jats would be quite controversial. But um, but no, I've gone with I've gone with Salah Salah Firmino Mane. Find it very difficult this one um, to, to choose. Um, and I think you know I'd be more than happy uh, if Jota played. And I'm keen to see what people say. People who understand football better than me say about. Uh, kind of the tactical advantages of each one. But for me, it's just a case of Firmino's confidence might be a little bit higher um, mm. after scoring twice and Jota missing mm. quite a few chances recently. And also Jota, I think, is much more effective off the bench um, than Firmino is. Yeah. So that's my kind of rationale for it. Yeah, um, I must admit, I've got exactly the same team and pretty much exactly the same rationale um, behind Firmino playing. Also, I still believe that Firmino is part of our strongest eleven when it comes to big games. Um, and I certainly believe Klopp thinks that. So, no mess around. I'll come straight to you, Bubbles. Little thought on the game, and have you got any changes from that team? Uh, yeah, no, I, I think it'll be a tough game, but it, I think it's a must-win one, like, like we all probably agree. Uh, you know, the Chelsea one, Chelsea result that we uh, had was so disappointing because it felt like such a big opportunity missed, but ultimately you can you can uh, make that right by going to beat uh, Manchester City, especially after the Brentford result, because... I think people forgot that City dropped points in Southampton the week before they beat Chelsea because the Chelsea result was so massive. So hopefully we can do something similar. And for my team, yeah, I've gone with like, you know, Milner left back and I actually gone with Cater in midfield just because I think I'm right in saying all four of Fabinho, Henderson and Cater and Jones are going to international duties. So obviously for Jones, that's under-21s, but it's like none of them are going to get a total rest over the next like international break. So for that reason, I've gone with Kater just because 
you know, he hasn't played in a week, in a week and a bit. Um, but then equally, right. Fabinho hasn't had any rest at all. So you, maybe Henderson goes six and then you can play Cahir and Jones eight, but then that might just be a bit too open for Man City. Mm-hmm. And you, you saw from Fabinho's performance last night, you need his class to kind of break things up and just be that anchor. Yeah. And yeah, my front three as well is is Salah, Firmino, Mane, because like you guys said, like coming off the back of a brace, that confidence is going to be sky high. And also he's not going to Brazil for the internationals. So, you know, mm-hmm. he'll get two weeks or however long the break break is, he'll get that off. Plus the Anfield crowd. If people are singing, see Senor, give the ball to Bobby, he will score. <laughs> he might actually believe it, hopefully. So, yeah, that's all I've gone with. <laughs> Yeah, that's absolutely fair enough. Um, just on Fabinho, I think you're right in terms of probably could do with her rest. But for me, you know, alongside sort of Van Dijk and Salah in this side, he's so important. Like he's one yeah, of the most agreed. important players we own. So it's difficult to to give him a rest in such a game. Um, yeah. I'll come back to you, Bubbles, on a prediction. Um, obviously, Firmino's going to score. We know that now. But an actual <laughs> scoreline prediction? Oh, I've gone with 2-1 because I think... Uh... I struggle see how how many chances we're going to create without Trent in the team, especially against City. But I also think they might might get a goal. So yeah, two one to us. Hopefully, I'll take that now. If you're for it now, I'll take it. It'll probably be you know KG, but it is what it is. Oh yeah, I'd bite your hand off for that. Um, Dave, yourself. Uh, sadly, um, I'm not going to predict a win, um, which I always feel really guilty doing. But I don't know what it is. I I just haven't seen. Just haven't seen quite enough to be confident that we're going to beat City. I can't really explain it to be honest. Um, so yeah, I'm going to go with one-one. You know, there was a line from from Pep uh, last season uh, in the press conference after they after they beat us, and he said, "I think it was something like, I hope next year we can we can do it with fans because it's completely different." Um, and I think that you know that is a very important point because. The atmosphere tends to play a pretty huge part uh, when we play City, and I really hope that it's um, you know completely raucous on um, on Sunday, and that it's one of those atmospheres that kind of intimidates um, the City players as well as obviously you know firing our players up. Yeah, it's definitely played a big part in it in games gone by in this fixture. Um, and like I say, hopefully it's similar on Sunday. I've actually gone for two 0 Liverpool win. So I've taken my place back at the most optimistic on the pod, which is good news. Um, but I agree with everything you've all said. It's going to be a tight game. Very good side. No getting away from that. I just think at home, time to make a statement. Um, we look in decent form, obviously, on the back of last night. A bit more confidence running through us. Um, and yeah, it's time to show the rest of the league why we are genuine title contenders because everyone seems to be writing us off, which is fine by me. But um, Dave, I also want to get, before we go, a predictions league update, if that's okay. Yeah, well, it's um, it's as you were from uh, from last time because uh, obviously none of us thought we were oh, going to yeah, drop, drop yeah. points to, uh, to Brentford. Yeah, of course. Um, so, yeah, sorry, my bad, yeah. So nine, nine for me, uh, two for the guests and three, three for yourself. But... Um, yeah, I'm claiming a uh, moral victory because I did say it was going to be the the hardest game that we'd had except Chelsea, which was right. And yeah. I, I do this thing where, because I'm so rarely right about football, when I am, I make sure I make it known. So. Let everyone know. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah you've certainly um, done that. You've certainly done that. But yeah, um, as you were at the table. Cool. Um, yeah, well, that just gives us time to give Bubble the obligatory chance to plug anything that she'd like before she leaves us. So yeah, go ahead. 
Thanks. Um, yeah, so I'm from the Gold Diggers podcast, uh, and we are just a group of females who get together every week and talk about the Premier League. And yeah, we've got fans from all of the sort of big four, I say like traditional big four. There's even an Everton fan this year, which is quite wild. So, so yeah, if you fancy, you know, hearing some new perspectives on football and something a bit different, check us out on Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, all of that good stuff. So, yeah. <laughs> Happy days. You're definitely going to get some fans by saying the Everton inclusion was wild. Um, got a lot of time <laughs> for that. Um, Dave, any final thoughts from you before we head off? Um, no, not really. Just uh, thanks to Bubbles for coming on. I've obviously enjoyed the, uh, the discussion we've had today. Uh, and it's nice how the episodes fall Sorry. sometimes in it. Um, because uh, if we'd done, been doing this after Brentford, I think the mood would have been very different. But it's just... Uh, yeah, it's just a nice, uh, nice peace, peaceful morning after a, a 5-1 win. So, yeah, all good. Yeah, exactly. Happy days. Well, yeah, that is all we've got time for. We'll be back during the international break to look back on, hopefully, a Liverpool win over Man City and ahead to the trip to Watford. So take care and we'll see you all then.